Yes, Honest Actors is back with brand new episodes every Friday. To help me continue releasing new episodes without a sponsor, or to say thanks for your favourite old ones, click the support link in the episode description. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It's a one-off, feeling generous, good deed for the day sort of thing. Think of it as bumping into me and buying me a drink. To find out more, click the support link. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, mine's a large red. I hate those guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Jamal Westman, and you're listening to the Honest Actors Podcast. How you keeping? Yeah, all right, man. Not too bad. Yeah, okay. You know, keeping yeah. steady with it all and taking each day as it comes, man. It's nuts. It's, you know. I mean, you know, to some degree, there's an element of a lot of us in our industry, I guess, being used to this kind of thing. But, you know, just kind of hanging on and waiting for the phone call or whatever it is or, you know, trying to stay creative. But it's such a crazy time that the whole world stopped. You know, it's not just us, you know, and all. Yeah, I mean, I kind of told myself that at the start. I said, we've we've been in training for this for years. Like where my wife and I spend all day together in our house unemployed most of the time. So it's like we're totally used to this. Mm -hmm. And then something kicks in. You're like, it's different. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's that everybody else is in the same boat. But um, I don't know. It's the threat of things, isn't it? It's the threat of, uh, you know, loss of life and that's that's not exactly <laughs> what we're uh, at home 
for in those you know in those kind mm. of previous circumstances um yeah but you know yeah yeah we, we do we keep moving and see how it goes the weather's been good and- at least <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that we've been allowed to enjoy it unless we're in government, but, you know, what can you do? Right, right, right. Um, tell us, um, I always start uh, with this question, and I always say it is one of my favourite questions in the whole thing. How did you become an actor? What was what was the story? How did you get into it? Um, well, there's two different points of which I became an actor. There's one where I was, from anyone looking in, I was an actor and then there was me realizing I was an actor. So there was like two different moments. The first bit was, I guess, um, in a, uh, started at kind of school, secondary school. I always think that, I don't know, some people might say the first professional gig or the first amateur gig or whatever, but for me it always started. Um, yeah, definitely in terms of being on stage, learning lines. Um, well, I, I'm going to go as far back as my nativity in year six. I had the most fun. I was in a choir and I remember it was such a special day. I was in the choir, I had a performance at the War Festival Hall um, with the Lambeth, um, Little Big Voices, which is basically a collection of uh, a, a choir service for young people from different schools in the borough. And I traveled from there and I went to do my nativity play and I had to perform and I had to, I, my character was made up within those arc and the character was made up. And, um, but that element of like showbiz, like it's got to be done. We've got to do this thing, and you know, had to make up lines and and um, kind of, as it were, um, chaperone or like host the 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 show, the story of the nativity. So that was the first thing. And then I did um, the first kind of serious thing, I guess, where I was like, okay, this is a bit deeper than <laughs> well, yeah, Noah's Ark's pretty deep. Um, was we did Stand by Me, and I was about four and we did Stand By Me um, you know the film with River Phoenix and such and uh, that was yeah it was amazing I did that uh, uh, with and that was not just people in my own year group that was people in sixth form all through the years and I got to sit down chill with them have pizza and feel like an equal I wasn't treated as though I was like a kid or I was I didn't belong and so that and that was the first bug that I kind of caught from being in a rehearsal space, learning lines, playing a character and having the most fun. And that is the thing I've chased ever since. And it's always about the people that you share a space with and you explore with and you're allowed to be vulnerable in front of and allowed to express yourself in front of. Um, so that was the first kind of go for. And then we did like Macbeth and um, Pirates of the Curriculum, all kind of um, <laughs> written by our English teacher. It was a bit of a, he was up for it. He was always up for it, up for putting on a play. So I have to thank so him big time for that. That's, that's six year old, right? Um, and you're in a choir. So you're, you're, are you kind of behind the action or I take it there are people performing specific roles within that or how did that work? Well, the choir, it was like a Lambeth Youth Service. So we all had kind of a, we all had a shared responsibility and for different kind of performances, some people would be selected for solos and stuff like that. Um, Right. I don't know if I ever did any. Um, So, but it just grabbed you, like just at that six-year-old was in that thing. Was it like doing a sport? Was it just feeling like, oh, I like this. If somebody says to me, will you do this again? It's like, if somebody says, do you want a game of football? I'll be right up for it. Oh, man, was, there yeah. something, was there something different about it? Did you know it was something like, was I don't know, did it feel different when you spoke about it with your family? Did they kind of take it seriously? Did you talk about wanting to do more of it? Um, I don't think there was ever an element of me kind of thinking this is, I never thought of it as a job or a thing like 
that I could do as a career or I just enjoyed it and I think that was something that my mum instilled with me it's just like enjoy what you're doing enjoy being young enjoy having fun and that um, part of me uh, included singing um, and I was playing football as well so that was yeah and that was um, uh, you said six I was that was year six so I would have been about 11 oh right but like right okay easily easily from six years old as well I mean I love to sing I'm it was like you know videotapes with my mum recording me and stuff like that I just enjoyed yeah singing love that and do you think that was that was different to other year sixes like you know in your family looking back are you the kid that wanted to be in the limelight like if it was 2020 and you were on a family zoom would you be the kid pushed to the front to sing for everyone else to cheer them up or is it like you know did you have a party piece were you chomping at the bit to kind of did you dress up what kind of how did that manifest itself at all day to day or week to week I think I just had a, I had a confidence, I guess, um, is the best way to describe it. I had a, a certain type of confidence and willingness to, yeah, I don't know if it was like necessarily a, a need for the limelight or anything like that. I was just up for it. I, I was up like for performance. I think I started from football, having a confidence in that respect. And a lot of kids that kind of looked to like, you know, other kids that could kick ball was you know something special and so I think that kind of element played into my relationship to um, my peers in the classroom and then also just my notion of performance in terms of being in choirs joining a solo choir and this is all in like primary school and yeah just kind of I was tall I was super tall (laughs) I was the tallest kid so like a lot of things played towards you know uh, you got attention whether you wanted it or not kind of thing right 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 it kind of yeah people would kind of look to me just regardless because and also <laughs> because I'm just tall, you can't you can't miss me. Um, and also, um, particularly like primary school, I turned up in the middle of the year as well. So like there was this that middle of yeah, this you were... kind of uh, school years. So I was like in like year three, I turned up because I'd been to a school before. And so there's just that element of yeah, being know, slightly being, outside, being slightly outside, definitely. And that kind of uh, played on a lot of different um kind of tones as in it wasn't just being tall or just being a kid that came from another school uh it's also being mixed race that kind of element which i may wasn't probably too aware of as um in primary school but certainly i was much more aware of in in secondary and that notion of playing in between the lines or like trying to find my identity with you know because at the end of the day in secondary school uh those realities that are happening outside of the school are happening inside the school the consequences of that we're not really sure of but they still play a role so for instance uh, I remember playing, there was a, a thing, it was like just fun for us, but uh, at the time, you didn't really know what the consequences are, what really meant, but there was even a, a time where, and this is like, you know, 2004, five, uh, there was the black kids versus the white kids uh, in football. And it's, it's nuts, it's crazy. Uh, but we all did it. But is it, was it a totally innocent, like, yeah. like shirts and sk- like shirts and skins? Like it's an easy, it's just an easy. Yeah, absolutely. It was just kind of gone. And let's just do the, yeah, the black kids versus the white kids, not knowing the full ramifications, the historical of context of which we're doing it. We just of know course. this is a thing that we could do. And so, you know, I was like, I don't know who I'm playing for right now. Uh, referee? And did you, did you enjoy that, that kind of, I mean, in school, that kind of, you say you arrived in year three, that being on the fringe in some ways, was that a, a role you enjoyed or, or did you try to kind of 
get oh, yourself man, back always. into the group by other means yeah for sure i definitely wanted to be a part of a collective i wanted to have you know i did i found you know i found my tribes um you know in each different uh kind of scenario there was no no doubts there um but i also i think certainly enjoyed on another side of it yeah kind of being with different groups of people and hanging out with them there was no kind of thing where it's like i can't hang out with those people because i can't hang out with these people um and that comes from yeah just being exposed to different things for instance like one you know one side of my cousins listen to rap hip-hop and another side listen to heavy metal so i i just had that thing where i didn't kind of say this i can't be with you know i didn't yeah become dogmatic in my uh, associations um was there anybody in in kind of your family group that that was in performance or that encouraged you particularly or was it something very much that happened at school outside um, of that kind of family group so my mum uh, my mum she plays piano she played piano um to a pretty high grade and then she sings as well and uh, not necessarily on a performative level or you know getting paid to do it but she definitely has a passion for for music um and so definitely kind of encouraged me down that line I can have really strong recollections of her trying to get me to play the piano at five and I just couldn't do it I just couldn't sit there man <laughs> but there, there was always that encouragement for sure um and yeah encouraged me you, to join choirs and stuff and do you think like at 14 you did um uh what do you call Stand by it? Me. Uh, Stand by me, yeah. and did that kind of wake something up? The possibility that this might be something that you could pursue more seriously, or was it still, still no. just? I re- yeah. I really like this. Yeah. The same way as I really like football. The same way as I really like watching movies or whatever it is. It's just another thing I like to do. Definitely. When did it become it was... something that you might get that you might pursue that you admitted to yourself? This is the thing. You know, um... other kids want to be firemen. Other kids want to be, you know, whatever. And you wanted yeah. to maybe be an actor. I'd say another about three years later. So I was about, yes, you know, well, yeah, 16, 17, 18, in and around that when I went to sixth form. So I did um, drama and theatre studies for A-level. And that was, yeah, I wanted to do that. Uh, but obviously when you go to A-levels, things get a bit more serious and a bit more like, okay, you know, we're whittling it down to what you think you want to pursue. So that's certainly went in there and um that's when i heard about drama school and i heard about kind of the next steps that one could take um on the path of of acting which i wasn't aware of i had no idea how you'd get into any of that i did have didn't have a clue really um, so, i mean i had you know i was in youth groups and stuff like that but yeah in in that naivety or that kind of the first stages of finding out what is the reality or what is the reality being presented to you of what what might confront you in your career and over the next decades or whatever it is you choose to do what looking back now and knowing what you know about the industry and I'm, I'm pretty sure you know a hell of a lot more now than you did then mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah what do you think what, what did you expect of it then whenever you maybe were, to, were explained this is how it works and there's drama schools and then you go out and you work like how did you expect it would play out Um, I didn't really know. I think for me, it was again, actually in a similar fashion to how I was in secondary school and even in the primary school years, it was just kind of keeping yourself involved with different, different groups. So it was, you know, go find a youth theater, find an amateur theater. And my mum was definitely a part of like, okay, well, you just need to be 
in those circles and you know connecting effectively you call it networking but for me it was more a matter of just being a part of different groups and and exploring um the the profession in that you know through what uh, uh, whatever doors were open um and and through those conversations you just learn that little bit more so you know i went to whack um weekend uh, arts college um up in belsize park um met che walker actually and did a couple uh nights with che walker he did a lot of charity nights and that he'd get me on stage and and uh, i'd do some performances alongside sheila team and some others and so you're kind of like okay and then they some people might be making progress in the in their respective um paths and then you're like okay that's a, a, a a path that is available to people if that's possible, thinking about getting an agent, writing to agents, being on stage and then getting agents to come see you on stage and whatever you're in. Um, and actually one of the did, great breaks was, you, go on. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're about to say something. Oh no, just one of the great breaks was, um, I did a, uh, well, I was in a youth theater at Oval House with a guy called Toby Clark and, and um, those are people I still call friends to this day. And, um, uh, Bolag Baji, she was obviously doing really well in her in her writing and in her, in her on her path, and she uh, was commissioned to write a piece for us, um, and which she did. Uh, it's called Take a Deep Breath and Breathe, and we performed it at Oval House, and then it managed to get picked up and it transferred over to Bussy Building, and we did a performance there. So like that was amazing. You know, we had no expectation of something like that to happen. You know, would happen at all, and so it's like things like that, just little moments yeah and it's always down to the youth the youth theaters and youth groups for sure so first time you got paid to act what age were you i think i might even got paid for that for take a deep breath i think it might be like 50 quid or something like that um uh for basically the the profits that we made and we didn't you know make, make many profits at all but we broke just above it just above the parapet and uh yeah got 50 quid off that and was like oh Damn, this is a thing. You know, you can get paid off this. This it was. It was a do you good remember reading. what you? Do you remember what you spent it on, or is that asking too much? Uh, I I think that went straight into my account. I didn't. I, I just left it there. I didn't. I didn't do anything to it. Um, is that too much? Still no. there. I mean, I'm, still I'm, there. I'm probably, you know, <laughs> I was still there, just waiting to be used. Ring, ring fenced. Time. You're going to use it for the right thing. It has to be spent <laughs> in the right thing. So, like you talked about, you know, you mentioned kind of in passing there. You know, uh, things, various things you were doing, writing to agents, like. Do you get turned down? Like, do you, do you oh, does yeah, the young well, jam get turned down for stuff? How does that feel? Like, does that sit in with what you're expecting at that point? Do you expect that, you know, you're going to have a career regardless? It's going to be, you know, it might be slightly difficult, but you'll get there eventually. How do those knockbacks feel to a young guy setting out on that path? Um, I just, more often than not, I got no replies. Um, yeah, any reply that I did get actually felt kind of good. I was like, oh, they, at least they acknowledged they me. The, yeah, they got it. Yeah, <laughs> at least totally. they got it. You know I mean, at least they had the decency to reply back. And you kind of think in that very... No thanks. Oh, that's nice. Well, they, you know, they put a thanks on there as well as a no, so it's very clear. Um, <laughs> and for me, I, I think in my kind of... Uh, yeah, for sure, there was always that thing. I have an intention. This is my intention. It's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to, you know, progress as it were and, and work. And I, I'm going to make a, a kind of... Uh, a life out of this this um this out of this um uh, craft and so if you can be a part of that if you you know want to come see the show great great if not then that's fine but if they reply then i'm like oh okay well i've got their attention at least so you know it's one of those things where you always put in the email uh, if not this one maybe another time 
And so they've gone, no, thank you, uh, but please do keep in touch. Sometimes they say, oh, no, thanks. We kind of put it at this moment. You're like, okay, cool. Uh, looking back looking back on that, do you think there's anything you did wrong? Do you think like, do you think you were either too backward or too arrogant or too, do you think you, you maybe, you know, had too much to learn? Like what, what do you put it down to? Is it just that those people didn't see what you had or, or were you, were you lacking anything at that point that I, you, you now have? I didn't have, um, uh, I didn't have a, um, a showreel. I didn't have anything like that. I didn't have any content that I definitely could have done. And I think that's just something I'd definitely tell to any person uh, of that age when I was that age is like, if you got a phone, there's loads of free um, content online, scripts, films that you like, like, you know, keep trawling through movie or whatever it is. And yeah, just come up with a scene with a friend on your phone, record it and then put it all together and call it a showreel. I, and also, like, you can really play on those things. You can play on camera yeah. angles and, and be your own creative kind of genius. You don't need... Uh, and you might find that there's something you like doing that isn't acting as well. You can find you got a skill for it. Absolutely. Yeah. It might be editing. I mean, I just kind of stumbled on that in terms of, like, breathless and jump shots. I'm like, oh, this is... Jump cuts. I'm like, oh, this is a whole new thing that really yeah, yeah. makes a film. So, um, yeah. other than that, I think I could have been better with my words. You know, just... Um, but that's, like, just... It's almost like digging yeah. out a hole that doesn't get any deeper. You're kind of like, I was never going to get a yes, no matter what I do with my words. But I certainly think looking back on maybe some emails I sent, I could have maybe phrased them a little bit better. Sometimes I actually remember after I'd been to drama school, I was emailing one agent. Um, <laughs> I think I just pissed her off. I pissed her off. I just emailed too many times. Um, but I was just like, I, hey, I need, I I'd kind of left drama school without an agent. So I was like, man, this is, it wasn't what I had expected. And most people don't, right? You think you go to drama school and... Uh, and you went to a good drama school, man. Went to a great drama school. I uh, had a, yep. you know, all the best training I could have asked for, more kind of contact hours than you get training to be a doctor. So, you know, it was... Um, and what, 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 I mean, fuck, it's, as you say, it's a great expression, digging at a hole that doesn't get deeper. Um, like what... How does that happen? Like for somebody listening, you're going, right, well, we know where this story has arrived at by this point in your life. How does that guy come out of, with the skills and talents that you have, how does that guy come out of RADA, one of the greatest launch pads in the industry, and not get any agent? Like that, that, there'll be a lot of people who haven't yet gone to drama school who'll be like, what the fuck, what's, what's, <laughs> what hope have we got? And then yeah, yeah, people yeah. on the other side of it who will have come out of drama school, got an agent, like been signed in fucking first year, basically. Right. And then not, and not have worked. Right. Like it's that great thing about our industry. There's no rhyme, no reason no. to it apparently. Like, what are you looking back? What do you put that, put that down to? Um, I put that down. Well, there is to some degree, well, first of all, I could put it down to maybe the parts that I got, you know, uh, people, and I do honor that notion of there's no small parts, only small actors, very true. And that is certainly the way that an actor has to approach things. Um, but for an agent- but you, you were very tall, so there's no, 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 no small no. parts, it, only very tall actors. <laughs> you're on the money there didn't matter if, if i was just like you know the torch bearer you couldn't miss me um so like, there's no way that guy's a small actor um but then it's like even in that respect right um i think i don't know it's, it's always that battle actually that i'm still to some degree contending with about what roles people expect you in and what roles people want to see you in um and i certainly felt that in that third year of like oh, okay there's certain roles that i think 
play to my strengths in terms of looking like a leading man, however you want to kind of cut that. But it's like, do I, I, why should I have to submit to that kind of mm. box? Like, which we, on many different levels, people have to submit themselves to based on race, based on gender, all sorts. Um, and that's the frustration there. And I think that plays a lot of, uh, plays a big role in, in third year for sure. Uh, but I didn't necessarily get all the, uh, particularly in that first half, I don't know how they do it. They say your agents turn up usually for the first few shows and then it kind of dwindles towards the end. And there's all those kind of things that uh, basically make you kind of paranoid and, and, and lose your mind. But then I wasn't the only one that didn't end up with an agent. Uh, and then some people did end up with an agent. And as you say, haven't been working. They, I can't, I think that was hard for a lot of people in our year as well. Uh, and is, you know, can be for anyone that kind of comes out of drama school thinking that they've done the thing, um, is that you leave and you're not working. And you're like, but I just went to wherever it is, Rada, Lambda. And, and, I were, and the thing about drama school, I imagine, not having been, it's, uh, you know, surmising, but you work solidly for three years. It feels like you've worked solidly. Yeah. So actually the one thing drama school doesn't prepare you for is being without a purpose. Is being unemployed. Oh man, for sure. For the sake of them, tr them trying to cram, like you know, effectively ten years of what will percolate over ten years anyway of work and uh, study, and then yeah, in that time, yeah, absolutely. That kind of indirectly, they don't prepare you for that. I th I'm sure they told us that. I'm sure they said, "Hey, you might not be working," but they didn't say what it, was, what it would feel like at all. Um, yeah, and that was yeah, it was hard for a lot of people. You know, that's you know, as for any person who hasn't got work or has high expectations of themselves, it can lead to like, you know, depression and all sorts. Um, um, hmm. Did you, I mean, we'll get, we'll get around to this at the end. Um, did at any point, did you, did you start to lose faith in your, in your ability to do it? Um, no, uh, no. I mean, do it separately to make it, whatever that means, but to make, to right. make a living. To make did you ever living. lose your, did you ever lose confidence in your ability to, that you, maybe I'm just not that good? Maybe before drama school, maybe before. Um, it, yeah, I mean, I was training to become a football coach. So I guess there was that element of, hey, I need a safety net and this might not work out. Um, but I think I didn't really play too much thoughts on my abilities in that respect. Um, yeah. I just love doing it. And it was more like, hey, this might not pay. So I guess I have to find something that definitely uh, can support me in that respect. Uh, but I had this, you know, for the, certainly in those years, I still had the support and I, I always have had the support of my mum and, you know, like a home and, and a place to go back yeah. to, which wasn't the case for people in, in my year and other years and plenty of people in this, in the, in the industry um, mm. and around the world on, in other uh, avenues of, of, of life. So there was always that kind of protection there and that safety net. I never doubted um, myself in that respect, though. I was kind of like, I just love doing this, and I'm willing to. So I'm going to leave behind the kind of uh, looking that far back. But before I do, I like to work under the assumption, and this may sound odd, given the demographic of people who listen to this, but that nobody knows who anybody that's being interviewed is. Mm. And so rather than them just go, that's that guy or that, that woman from whatever, I like to say, if you could define yourself by a single project, so people would go, oh, that's Jamil, he did X. Like, what's the thing you're most proud of? What's the thing you most like to be associated with that you've done from year six on? What's the thing that you think? <laughs> from year six the work on. That, the work that I did on that 
nativity play. <laughs> I wish people just would just forget everything else because that was the real me, right? What is what is the thing that you're most you're most proud of? Uh, or one of one of the things I hate putting people in the, the people who work with you in other jobs go. Oh, hold on. <laughs> what about what about the magic that we had? So yeah, so what's yeah. one of the things that, that might be at the top of that list? Whilst not putting anyone out or any experience I had or shared with anyone along the way. Um, it'd, be, it'd be a miss for me to say that Hamilton wasn't something that I was, I'm deeply proud to be a part of and um, cherish and will cherish for the rest of my life. There's no doubts there. Um, Thought you might say that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who can deny the truth? Um, it's such a amazing piece of work and also i think one thing that a lot of people aren't afforded uh in in our industry is a a chance to constantly explore a role consistently for well it's going to be three years for me but two years at the moment and to find and so referring back to that phrase of like digging a hole doesn't get deeper it just gets deeper it keeps getting deeper every time. And it could be a little stone that you move, a little pebble, but that pebble just feels like so profound in, in what realizations and nuances you can just discover in character and story. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. But then again, you kind of made up of all the experiences you've had prior to that. Hamilton wouldn't have been such a joy were it not for the things that I've done prior to that. So it, it stands beside or on the shoulders of all the things I've done ever, uh, ever since I've kind of, decided to take the piss in the classroom. Um, That's a beautiful answer, man. Um, yeah, but you would, I mean, it would have been, if you'd said anything except Hamilton, it would have been like, do you want to work again? Um, all right, sure. so uh, getting into kind of the, the the more kind of present day, not so much, I guess, if you've been doing the same job for a couple of years, but um, generally speaking, do you enjoy the process by which work comes? Do you enjoy auditioning? No, not really. Um, You're not one of those actors, and a lot of people are, that says, oh, I, do you know what, I? it's just an opportunity to act, and I love it, and I go into a room, and I meet some new people, and it's great. Absolutely. I'm with that. It's very true. But. There's always, <laughs> there's always going to be a but there. Um, because, like, I just, I, I would, uh, you know, in a, in a, I don't know what kind of worlds, I just kind of, yeah, when it's like, hey, yeah, I, I'll, I'll do this, and I love meeting you guys, and able to see each other on this long winding yellow brick road there's an element for me that just feels like the reality is uncertainty is not fun uncertainty of when you're going to get the next job um how you're gonna you know live day to day is is not fun um and also just like projects that are amazing that you'd love to be a part of that you know you nights before are just staying up giving it giving it giving it which is an amazing thing to be able to do uh, for something that you're passionate about. But then, you know, to say, you know, get a no or to be unsure and then to live in limbo. I mean, I have anxiety as it is. So kind of sitting going, I don't know if I could, I could have done better or, you know, constantly obsessing over something, which you can, or some people can let go and say, once it's done, it's done and there's nothing to do about it. But and maybe it's the nature of doing the show and always thinking about on the sh uh, doing Hamilton and thinking about the show before and how that can be kind of, um, made better or what else can kind of be introduced or what, what yeah that's on. a positive force if you have another opportunity to put right things absolutely I always said that about about theatre the lovely thing was if you fuck it up you've always got tomorrow unless it's your last show and then you've got to live with it for the rest of your life but like you <laughs> yeah, know exactly. film I always think the problem is that 
if you fuck it up, that's it for eternity, you know? Right, um, right. And that's that's hard to live with. So I guess anxiety is better suited in, in theatre. But, you know, above all that, you've got to say somebody with anxiety isn't best suited to being an actor. Like, it's not a lifestyle that lends itself to stability or security no. or surety of any kind no which if anything i think puts you on the pulse of reality more than anything else you know this kind of idea that it's just one straight line is is a myth it doesn't really exist or you know even the way that um we look at the political spectrum and discourse or how the the stocks are working it's kind of oh no it's just you know things aren't gonna it's like no nah, up and down man up and down you never know what the next moment's going to be and that's just closer to reality you don't want to kind of you know in terms of pain and joy it makes uh, i kind of live by that uh, philosophy of like you know there is no joy without pain and there's no pain without joy they kind of come hand in hand um and each allow the other to be um fully experienced as as we should experience life um yeah i mean for sure if it's a, a yeah Great script, I'm up for it. If it's like the night before, sometimes it's just down to the timing. It's kind of like, you've got to be in tomorrow. You've got to self-tape this tomorrow. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Fuck. Yeah, Let's do it. But it's, I'd love to sit with this a bit more, you know, and theatre is a bit more open to those kind of conversations yeah. and, and time. I'd love to sit with those 11 pages, not print them or look at them for three days before I start panicking. Like that's usually right. my thing. It's like, you know, just let me have three days to do nothing. Let me have three days to just do anything but your script. Like, real, when I'm really honest about it, when I complain, it's not because I'm actually going to fucking start working on it, to be truthful, most of the time. It's mostly because I want to just know it's there in the inbox. Right. I want to so, know it's there. Yeah. I want to have kind of um, autonomy. I want to have agency. I want to have agency. Yeah, totally. I'll decide. I'll decide. Yeah. And that, and that, to be fair, that has always rung true for me in terms of walk, even uh, auditioning for drama school. There was that feeling of it's not about I need this or I'm nothing without this. It's kind of like, I'm already doing the thing. And, <laughs> you know, it'd be great to be here. I'd love to be here, but I'm already on this thing that I'm doing. So I think it's about establishing that. And it's different for different people. I guess as you get further along and you've got a backlog or, you know, catalog of things that you've done, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of here. I've arrived. And maybe that, maybe I'm talking to myself right now, just recognize you've arrived. But when those self-tapes come in, whatever it is, it's kind of like, oh yeah, cool. I'm ready on this thing. Rather than it becoming like, oh my God, this is the be all and end all I need to. And you've always felt like that. Like I know I was on Instagram last night and I just caught, you were doing a live and I caught a bit, but you're talking about like three or four times your audition for drama school. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Like that, that in itself is kind of, is, is interesting because you're both contented that you're on this thing, but you're going to go back and go, listen, I'm going to ask again. I'm going to knock the door again. And if you don't want it, then that's fine. And then yeah, the following year you go back. And, and I think that in itself is an interesting thing about you, perhaps that, that, that you do have that confidence in where you're at, but you're also pushing forward. Yeah, 100%. It's kind of like keep all avenues open. And fortunately, I was working at Sainsbury's so I could afford the audition fees. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I could, I could, you know, some people always like, and understandably, it's like, that's astronomical. That's like hundreds and hundreds of pounds mm. every single year that I just don't have. Um, fortunately, I was living at home. Mama wasn't putting too much pressure on me at that time in terms of rent or like paying towards the house. Um, and so it was kind of, okay, um, I've got this Sainsbury's money, I can use it. I can use it uh, and instead of like, you know, going out and doing all these other things, which I certainly was doing, but maybe lessened whilst I was in audition season. Um, yeah, I thought, well, why not? And I know for a fact I will get um, kind of a condensed and rigorous form of training that I could definitely do with. 
Um, um, mm. Do you do you know when an audition's gone well? Like, let's take the Rada example, just because it's it's what we're on now. You auditioned four times or three times. Right. That last time, the one that you would ultimately get in, did you know you'd nailed it? Or did you think you'd nailed the other ones? Or did you think they were all terrible? Like, um, what's your usual kind of mental state post-audition? It's, I knew I'd uh, had a good go at it because the piece had spoken to me like no other piece before it that I'd done. Or at right. least there was a couple of pieces that I'd done. But I found a way, like there was almost an opening and um, a feeling of, I'd seen basically prior to that, I'd seen um, a play called God's Property by Arinze Kenny. And that play just spoke to my soul, spoke to my identity, spoke to my life as it had been thus far. Um, you know, so, you know, it was just a, such a beautiful piece. First time I'd ever kind of cried or, or felt such an overwhelming form of emotion to, to a piece. And so I was like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. This is it. I, I know, I just understood. I felt um, perhaps that sacred thing, that sacred relationship um, to theater and to performance as an audience member, which I don't think I'd had before. And so I just realized what that relationship was. I knew what it was like on stage. I knew that yeah. thing, but I just didn't know that relationship to the audience in the same way until I became that audience member that was affected by it. And I think that mm. did a lot for me, um, just in terms of how I approached the piece um, and how I approached, you know, my uh, classical pieces as well. So you, you selected that, right? So then let's take it to something like you get that that script in your inbox and you're like going down through Soho to go to some back room or somewhere to go and read on tape or, you know, meet someone, whatever. Yeah. You come out of th that. Do you know when it's gone well? That's if they've given me the, old, the whole fucking script. Do you know what I mean? I, sometimes they give you a little little bit of nothing and you're like, mm -hmm. I have no idea. I have no What do you want me to do with this? Don't know. Don't know. And so I have to kind of let go and just go, well, I could have done a great job, but I'm just not the person they're looking for. And I'm quite fine with that. That's, that's okay. Um, yeah, I've had feelings where I feel like I've done a good job. Um, do you get, do you get uh, feedback? Um, is there any kind of feedback you get that annoys you? Yeah. If you? If you get it, do you? I mean, is there a kind of a standard? Oh, not that again. Feedback that you get? Oh no, no. Oh, unfortunately, I mean, I'm sure I get that at some point. Uh, no, I haven't had that moment. Well, there's only one thing I've had that I recall. It was one of those things where I was like, uh, one of the associate casting directors was like, "You did a great job, man. You did a really, really, really great job." Didn't get the job. <laughs> Didn't get the job. <laughs> You know, like it was like even on a good day, I'm not good. Even enough. on a good day, even on a good day, he was like the way he was like, man, yeah, they like that, they love that, they really loved it. Like, great, great. I mean, at that moment, I was like, oh, what a good feeling. And to be fair, thank you for that feeling that I managed to walk away with for a few hours until you know later down the line, a few days later, it was like, yeah, we're not taking. It. Yeah, but then those in between those days, there's the day of like, I wonder if they have. Oh, they haven't contacted me. I probably have to. <laughs> run up by the execs and then like two yeah, days yeah. pass you know the usual kind of like yeah, yeah. gradually it's four weeks later and yeah. you're like I, I must phone my agent I haven't heard that strange because I'm pretty <laughs> sure I got it like you know absolutely uh, mustn't be happening but they must have mustn't uh, be happening probably cancelling the whole thing yeah yeah um, um, yeah and so the, those things are a bit mad but yeah. do you have or did you have um do you have people who you consider to be rivals not necessarily in the sense traditional sense of like you know like a boxer might but like people who you think you see in a, an audition room and you think oh for fuck's sake not that guy no nah, not at all i think there's people that i kind of um because yeah that the, coming from and actually now seeing the the 
the kind of toxicity of like competition and thinking and comparing yourself to someone else by the moment you can kind of compare yourself as other people will do right you'll get other people say this person's like this person so on and so forth the moment you do that to yourself it's like the death of your kind of uh, potential it's the death of your like uh, unique qualities and things that you haven't even discovered in yourself i always return to this um uh, kind of hypothetical kind of uh, theorem which is uh, jahari's window known knowns known unknowns and like in terms of what people know about you you don't know about yourself things you don't know that other people don't know and it's just like that one the unknown unknowns endless possibilities so don't short change yourself by comparing yourself to someone else only notion of me going there's someone that would probably get a similar casting to me which is an undeniable truth of, of the gig of the gig is um yeah i'd look at people and say hey they're doing some cool things i would definitely like to do those things um how, how important do you think it is luck then in that equation in in the kind of in the journey from walking in the room uttering the words leaving to getting the phone call to say they've just called they'd like to offer it to you great words great words they'd like to uh, they'd like to offer you the part is one of the greatest <laughs> phrases you can hear on the other end of the phone Lord of mercy. like how important do you think is luck in the kind of equation of talent luck you know whatever else is in there um i think there's almost like um i mean they're kind of yeah they work hand in hand right you could have had not a very but which is the bigger hand which is the bigger hand um <laughs> Damn, that's, I would say the bigger hand and the most important hand to anyone is, is what you do. And then the rest is up to whoever. That's a, so that's the thing that I certainly feel when it comes to entering a, a, an audition or a meeting or whatever. I call them meetings. I don't call them auditions. Auditions makes me feel like the power's in the hands of other people. Yeah, and I, I, th- I love that, that move towards calling them meetings because I, I think it was the thing we all kind of did collectively. Yeah, yeah. Sl- and then yeah, I have a few actor definitely. mates who wouldn't allow it. Like they just wouldn't have it if I said I've got a meeting. They'd go audition, <laughs> and I'd be like, because a meeting makes it sound like it's an equal, it's an equal transaction. Like you know, you meet someone for coffee. You meet a friend for coffee, right? Exactly, right. So I, that's what I love about it is you go, well, tell me why you call it a meeting then, in those terms, like equal transaction. It's a meeting because um, I have something to offer that will make that I believe will make whatever you're doing the good thing that it will be. Like there's a reality, it's like, I don't know, parallel universes. It's almost like if we do go down this road, it will be the best road that you've taken. If you don't go down this road, then it's the best road you've taken is just without me. That's fine. Um, I think it's just about giving yourself that kind of permission to say, I have something to offer, but you have something to offer me. We're both having this. this. Whereas an audition conjures you on stage in a darkened auditorium where a voice at the background right. just screams Stand behind that line. I don't believe you don't look at next the yeah oh. all that shit <laughs> literally meeting and all that shit that comes with it um meeting it is meeting it is um yeah I mean there's kind of there's a whole kind of another level of conversation about how actors are treated within the industry but also how actors are treated on a political scale in terms of oh you're just an actor stick to your kind of job and then just how people are treated uh, and how much we're empowered to step into any space. Um, and then there's other elements where you bring in race or class and all those other things. So 100% it's a meeting. I, I am who I am and you are who you are. There's no less than or more than. An agent once told me following that journey from from unemployment to employment and then beyond, an agent once told me uh, that the only time an actor is truly happy is 
when they get the call to say they've got the job, those words, you know, uh, they want to offer you the part. And then the self-doubt kicks in, was what he said to me. Mm-hmm. And I certainly at times have recognized that in myself, that sometimes I think I'm anxious about an audition, but the fear only really kicks in when I get the job. Have you ever felt that about anything? Uh, only for one job. Um, I didn't really, surprisingly, didn't feel that too tough for Hamilton. Uh, I mean, I guess the fear kind of maybe kicked in in terms of the level of performance in terms of my voice and getting that into a good place to do it over and over again. But by that time, I was like, oh, man, this is a lot. I was already in it. So it was kind of cool. Um, yeah, the job that I was like, OK, hmm, I have to really get myself into this is uh, I did the White Devil at, um, at the Globe. And for me, being classical text, being at the Globe, um, and being with a script that and a piece that wasn't really too familiar with, that kind of, I'm not sure how I'm going to fare in this. And also, like, I was yeah. meant to be trained in this. Like, there's that, you know, yeah. this is your bread and butter. This is meant to be your bread and butter. This is, you know, there's a line of actors that have done this and have been a part of this uh, history, uh, which is so embedded in, in our culture. So, you know, you've got to be worth your salt. So yeah, definitely had fear there. And also I was um, understudying and like, I only realized that actually on the day that I turned up, they were like, yeah, so you're understudying like all the guys. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I thought it was only these two guys. So there was that element. I think that's, hey, that's, that's part, Big part of the trade. Big ass, but part of the trade really when they kind of say you, you're loaded with this, this and this and you're kind of like, okay, cool. But yeah, I think it was the text and being like, okay, I really want to, Really and have you ever got nervous going on stage or suffered from stage fright or anything that, that you, you know, approximates that kind of stage fright? Um, for, hey, for sure. I'd certainly get nervous before going on stage, but I always try and channel it into the Do you character. get nervous still with Hamilton? I mean, you must have done that show like 700 times more. I do, yes. I do. I do because... Um, you know, it's the first time for some people seeing it. And also I just feel like you want to just give it your best and, and to give it your best, you have to care and to care means you're going to get nervous. So I don't know if that sounds like some kind of sociopathic way to yeah, get to no, it. Yeah, no, no, but, like, but I think, I I think it would, so, it's like, I maybe it's because I don't care, but, it, but uh, I don't get nervous going on stage, but then I've never done something, I've never done something to scale of that part in a, in the sh- in a show like that. So I guess... I probably would shit myself every single time. I don't know. Like, it's really hard for me to answer. But but I also understand why why doing it 700 times wouldn't necessarily lessen that feeling of, like, this is hey, you. It was no way as fearful as, um, yeah, fearful or as, uh, as nervous as the first times I did it, for sure. Or, or when I came back after, like, a month off. But I think it's... <laughs> you come back the, after a month off and you're like, I can't remember this shit. Where am I standing? Uh, what's his name? Who am I playing? <laughs> yeah. And, um, but then I think the that nervousness also comes into saying saying his name, say, saying that name, saying who you are. My name is this. My name is Alexander Hamilton. And kind of saying, like, uh, you always want to be as, as truthful as possible. So it's like, you know, being honest with the day. How's the day been? Okay. And, and allowing that truth to exist and to take you you know once you're on you're on once you're on that locomotive train you're riding and you don't want to get ridden by the train you want to ride that train so yeah i think there's always that feeling of being on it being on it being sharp and and so i yeah do get kind of like i need you know i want to be there and so you know that's all the preparation that goes in before 
um, and being connected with the company that you're with as well. Um, Enter coronavirus, right? Enter coronavirus. So if you go off stage for a month and going back, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ almighty. Like, what do you feel now? Like, we're in a situation now where we just don't know when we're all going back to work right. in, that, in, in this industry. Mm. When the theatres will be open, how that'll look, what it'll be like, whether you be playing the 20% house, 50% house, full house. We know it'll be fucking joyous when it happens right. and that, you know, you'll get a stand ovation no matter what the fuck you do that first <laughs> night. <laughs> and that's good news, right? Yeah, I just scat, so, I'll scat the whole thing. But have you been, have you been like, do you, do you run lines sometimes? Like what, are you just like, is it, is it parked? Have you parked it completely? Like how are you managing that feeling of going from being in this, this show that's running and being successful and still, you know, top of its game to sitting idly? I suppose it's like leaving drama school and going into unemployment. Like how does it feel? It, yeah, I would say I've parked it. Um, I parked it in so much as... I've got family members that listen to it. So, <laughs> I mean, I've parked it for myself, but I'm happy to, I love listening to it. I mean, I love the music, but I've parked it. Um, in terms of when we're coming back, we've been told we're not coming back until there's a full house uh, until we can establish that. So until it's the safest space uh, to enter, which is, you know, way down the line, probably, probably 2021. Um, but then again, in the same, in, in that same sentence, in the same instance, I'm still, returning to it i've still got connections with people in the company um and we're still just talking about how things are get how you know how we're all getting on and then i'm also writing a piece that is kind of um recontextualizing a cabinet battle so if people know it there's a cabinet battle and i'm like hey i'm gonna just recontextualize this about stay at home or go out i mean so i'm obsessed i can't leave this show <laughs> and also i've been going through um it's in the fiber of your body. I right. think if you repeat words, there. you know, it's like one of those things about like, you know, manifest destiny or whatever, like you repeat certain things to yourself every day, mm -hmm. they become part of who you are. And, and I guess that character has become, anybody who's played a character for a long period of time, whether you like it or not, something about that becomes embedded in your fucking genes. Oh man, for sure. And also like with the the way that Hamilton was in his time in terms of, you know, the the, the non-stop writing of, of uh, ratifying the constitution and, and and just the endless, endless, endless communications and and um, and political discourse. I feel like, hey, I need this, I not I, you know, can never reach that height, but I'm like, I need to kind of be in that that mindset of like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because the times are just as um, as crucial, the stakes are just as high. Um, and we all have a contribution to make, or I certainly feel like I, there's a contribution I can make, and um, uh, and there's other people around me who I think voices need to be heard. Um, so, hey, that that was certainly instilled by Hamilton. Hamilton's opened up loads of other kind of um, intrigues, I guess, in terms of even looking at the Native American history. So, when you say manifest destiny, for that, for me, that speaks of how the settler colonialists kind of viewed themselves as like, this is our, we're meant to be here. This is our destiny to be on this land. And it was kind of like, that mentality is the reason for a genocide of, of millions mm. and millions of Native Americans. So yeah. And also, you know, there's so many words in the show. <laughs> that if you say like one little phrase, I'm like, oh, that reminds me of the letter that Angelica wrote back to Hamilton. So 
it's uh, endless. Yeah, I'm now yeah. in the world. It's like when you're in a play, no matter what the play is, you just have to constantly quote the play oh, at other people. Everyone in the play. does that's, it, right? that's the game. <laughs> that's, that, is, that is what everyone does. That's the game, right? Um, that's what everyone does in every show that I've ever been in. It's always yeah, quoting it until we can't remember the lines anymore um, because yep. we are in that world. Um, What's the longest you've ever gone without work? Um... The longest I've gone with, right, so is it gone without work with no knowledge of if I'm going to work or gone without work knowing that work's long on the horizon? Probably the work when there's no work, right? Uh, no work at all. Yeah, I no, guess. Nada. Um, actually, when I left uh, drama school, I think. I think well, yeah, when I left drama school. How long is that? So drama school... Um, I've been lucky. I've been really lucky. I left drama school. Obviously, I had no agent and uh, no real in my head prospect of getting on a stage anytime soon. Um, and I started rehearsals for the Royal Court in September. So that was like, yeah, end of May till September. So like, what's that? May, June, July, August, September. Four months, three, four months. I'm, you have been, lucky. I'm not going to say lucky, but you've been um, busy. Is one way of kind of busy yeah 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 definitely definitely i I say luck just in the sense of one of my friends who uh, had an agent and was at at drama school uh had auditioned for this piece or had a meeting for this piece it was auditioning back then meeting only came in maybe like 2017 (laughs) um he um he was like hey uh, i've just done this uh, i've done this uh, piece and this is the play that they're putting on I think you'd be really cool for it and it was right up my street it was based set in South London it's called Torn I found your Martello White and it was yeah just and I knew that world I'd um, you know just I've been there and it spoke very close to, to home so he just said hey and that's not always the case right and that returns back to that notion of uh, com- competition or Com- yeah yeah like yeah we just the had quote, to they told the government we're in this together but hey hey yeah, couldn't have said it better. You know, I hold on to my yeah. man no matter what happens. Okay, that's my boy, <laughs> and he's probably the second prime minister just behind the wings. He's like a, a terrible yeah. version of Hamilton behind Washington. Um, yeah, so he offered that for me, and he just didn't see that. You know, he didn't see that competition. That's just so important, and we managed to have that in the year. There's always a danger, right? Um, this kind of scarcity complex that even enters in the third year of, of the Rada or any kind of drama school is like, hey, we're all trying to get the same agent and we're all so damn different. And we just have to acknowledge that. Yeah. We're different. Yeah. We different qualities, different whatever it is, which is unique and different. So this this Rada friend then I'm taking that that path wasn't as smooth uh, for them. For them. He, uh, well, his name's Luke Brady. I mean, he's known. He's he's great. He was the Prince of Egypt. Uh, the, the I guess the the... He was just recently played Prince of Egypt. He's done plenty of work before even going to to, to RADA. Um, amazing, lovely guy, and um, just the most honest and, and humble and beautiful people. And he, um, he's he's been he's been doing his thing. I mean, actually, he's you know, it's, as for loads of people now, you're right. He's just kind of we're all waiting, man. We're waiting for the the phone to ring or just trying you know trying to get on that gig or that job. But he's just so kind of endless in his possibilities and potential that he's good but he did um prince of egypt playing moses but then like the, you know that rocky ride of that closed down because of covid um hmm. but fortunately i think with um dreamworks and stuff i think they're being they're being held on um yeah um okay so just not we're kind of nearly through it so there's kind of a bit of a tone shift um do you think acting's difficult 
Is it difficult? Mm, doesn't have to be, but it 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 frequently is. Yeah. Um, Do you think like um, I used to have a discussion with a friend and I've changed my opinion on this. This is like going back 15 years. And I used to always say what we do, like I'm always in awe of musicians because I always think like if somebody sits down, take your mom, sits at the piano mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a level where they're not professional and they're not getting paid. I'm always just fucking blown away by it because it's something yeah. I can't do. So I can see the difficulty level in it. Mm-hmm. And I guess because hopefully I can do it, you can do it. We don't see the difficulty level in it. Maybe other people do and we don't, but I'm, I'm kind of interested in that sense of like music's easier to quantify how difficult there's grades. Like there's no grade eight acting. Oh, he's done, how good an actor is. He's done grade eight. Like, where right. the fuck is he grade eight? Right, he got, right. he got his grade eight when he was 13. Fucking hell. Like, you know, there's no <laughs> measurable kind of, you know, schemata or whatever the word is for, for quantifying what it is we do. Do you, so do you think it's, it's difficult in that way? Right, yeah, it, yeah, certainly opens that up. Yeah, I it is, it can be, yes. Well, the thing I always, like, always think about is um, acting, we're like ambassadors for empathy. And we live in, frankly, a very apathetic world. So the difficulty is, first of all, finding empathy within ourselves for other people, also like, it's like love, self-love, and then being able to articulate that for people to see and opening up in that cathartic manner, uh, people's um, humanity. Um, so that is difficult and it get, becomes increasingly difficult as, you know, theatre is in some cases kind of, even in like what's happened over this period, kind of put to the side, the lives of actors put to the side in terms of their well-being, in terms of the support that they need. When we know and has been known in pretty much all civilizations that theatre and storytelling is it crucial is so crucial to our well-being um and also you know if you want to put it in a kind of capitalist uh, setup it's so so important for the economy um so yeah i think acting is hard i think the notion of how important acting is is hard to articulate and i think as you say with well as we walk out in that kind of being disenfranchised or or uh, disempowered in terms of how valuable we can be and we are and how much we serve our communities and it's not even necessary just on stage right it's not just Uh, when we're getting paid it's actually just I've heard um, countless kind of stories of of, and and I'm a part of being actors who can just listen we're great listeners Um, and also that kind of parallel between actors and not to say this our profession but counseling right Um, so my partner she's doing counseling at the moment and she's doing person-centered theory by um, Carl Rogers and it's just it's kind of like almost 101 acting 101 acting in terms of how an actor approaches character. You don't have judgment. You have positive regard for that person. Of course, we have an outside mind outside of that room. We're like, well, this person is not a very great person. But inside that room, when we are approaching this person, positive regard, constantly listening, allowing sentences, allowing that person to uh, self-actualize, which is kind of go through, as it were, the play, uh, say their lines and, and be as truthful with those lines as possible. And that's how we are to people as well. Or we can be. You know, There's a notion of acting being either persuasive or manipulative. Um, you kind of want to fall into, you know, there's, we're playing with truth and lies at the same time. Um, it can be difficult, yes. Um, it requires a lot of introspection. My first experiences going into drum school um, was a lot of like, we did um, uh, 
bedroom exercises so we had to set up our bedrooms in in the classroom and we had to just <laughs> just wake up in the morning brush our teeth and go through the day with an audience and that was incredibly difficult we're so self-conscious we're so uh, our our beings are so hinged on social on the social construct that we exist in on, on on how we look to other people or how we feel around other people what other people do to us we're so sensitive so you know having to explore that all the time or being conscious of that and that becoming a profession can be very difficult. Um, has has yeah. playing the characters you played changed who Jam is? You know, does does it have an impact at that level? Does it become do have you become someone different because of say the obvious example? You know, playing Hamilton for for two going on three years. Yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent. Because well, it can deepen your level of empathy, which it certainly has for me. Um, and yeah, so the, your level of understanding. Um, and also, like for me, it opens up the notion of stories and storytelling, right? Everyone has their own story. Um, everyone has the heroes and the villains of their story. But then every hero is a villain. Every villain is a hero. Like, And allowing that to be true of any person. Um, I could look at some of the worst people, uh, and then there's other elements that kind of play in that. Um, but yeah, definitely. I The first play I did out of drama school, Torn, with Nathaniel Martello White, you know, I think, oh, I know this world, I know these people. But then obviously once you explore it, you realise, well, I know them to a point. Uh, but then there's so much more that I don't know. There's so much more ex exploring and discovering. Um, and then in that, I'm meeting people in, in the rehearsal space, other actors, um, and also meeting them in a space where we can be vulnerable, where we can explore and express and, and open ourselves up um, in ways that we wouldn't otherwise uh, on our day-to-day. -day. So, yes, 100% I've changed. Um, we're always changing, right? Um, but then it comes into a whole other theory of, like, identity. Is it always the same or does it change? It changes with our environment. Um, well, but your friends who aren't actors say, do you think, like you must have friends, you know, that maybe from football coaching or maybe from before that at school who aren't actors. Um, do they think, I mean, do you get a lot of like, oh man, you've that's, that's acting nonsense talking. Like, do you get a lot of dismissal from them about about the, the, the person you become or the path that you've gone on or how do they view what it is you do and who it is you become? Well, I think, I think that, yeah, I don't think there's much change in how they perceive me because, you know, once you're in those circles that you're with um, from whatever period of time, you always kind of return to that. There's always that kind of, I don't know if it's necessarily the social expectation, but it's just like the glove. You, The hand fits into the glove and that's always how it has been with, with any of my, like the friends that I return to from home. Um, but then, of course, as <laughs> that... Uh, if we're going with the analogy of hand fitting into a glove, like it's seen, I've, you know, I've experienced other things, but so have they, like we've all experienced different things and we come with different ideas and different thoughts. And certainly what changes, um, I've certainly noticed in myself, because um, one thing that acting certainly can do, um, but then also with like in a world now where politics is kind of unavoidable, but I was certainly politicized um, in my acting, in, in the characters I explored, the hardships they may, may have experienced or whatnot, the historical context social context that um, these plays or pieces are in and so I certainly return with those kind of conversations and so do my friends really and so we just yeah constantly changing and bouncing off each other with ideas and thoughts um, but I've certainly got the bug for like creating now I didn't really have that bug beforehand it was like I just want to be in things um, you know I want to see what you know be a part of these great pieces these great plays 
um, new ones, old ones, however you want to look at it. But now I'm like, oh, hey, now I'm looking at the people I've been surrounded by most of my life, my family, friends. I'm like, actually, all the stories are here. All the, not necessarily like, hey, I'm going to take your story and I'm going to make hell out of money out of it. Um, more like there are people whose voices need to be heard, um, who will connect to other voices who haven't had their voices heard themselves. And so like, that's where I feel there's a responsibility there, um, I guess, to my family and my community and my, my friends. Okay, so talking about being politicised, uh, we're nearly there. If I could make you uh, president of the industry uh, or dictator and you could change anything about the industry, um, what what would be at the top of your list? What things would be at the top of your list about things about our industry that upset or annoy you or anger you? Um, I mean, it's the, I'm not exactly sure how this would change the thing, but I think it's how the direction of money shapes the direction of art. So some kind of like, you know, that notion of would you be doing this if there was no money involved? It's like if I was to change the arts, I'm trying to change the society in which whatever, you know, those arts exist, you know, if it's the Arts Council or it's like, you know, in Britain or whatever it is, it's kind of like what impacts, a negative impact money has on it. Of course there's positives in terms of getting the funding, getting your grants um, to put on your piece. But then there's the negatives in terms of what pieces get shown, um, who has the money, who has the power. So it's about that power dynamic, um, which always, you know, you follow the money, you find out how that works. Follow the money and see where it goes. Oh, there you go. See? I've done it. Um, what, what do you think, what do you think things are going to look like for us coming out of this? Um, have, you, have you thought ahead to beyond your own show, but just the industry at large, what, how this might have changed things for us or for society and society's relationship to art? Um, well, big question. Big oh, fucking question. Yeah, it's like, uh, I'm not really the one to be asking these questions. Um, I Yes, yes, you are. I yes, I am. I have something to say and I'm going to say it. Um, well, when you look at things like this, uh, the globe having to put out a call of emergency saying this is not looking, you know, this could be the end. It's out outrageous but then and so though you it's about taking responsibility um on all on all sides in terms of who you know where are the most essential aspects to our society who you know when you've still got um as it were low paid work being considered low skilled or key workers you know it's that kind of direction of um, or that perception, that negative perception that really pervades our society. So in terms of what happens next and how things will go, I mean, you're seeing a lot of small businesses getting squashed and you're getting a lot of money getting absorbed by these big corporations. And that's not necessarily in our, in our sector. But then it is, right? Because those big West End shows, um, you know, much, some subsidized theatre, some, but not all. A lot of them are getting kind of drowned out as well by this. It makes you think... <coughs> I don't know, I kind of, it's like a sponge, right? It's like a sponge sucking up all the kind of wealth and like wealth is, is going to fall in the hands of the most wealthy who are actually by, in the most part getting richer. And that's across all kind of industries. So that's where my worry comes in that the theatres that we're kind of having like a, well, I don't know, we'll see a renaissance of like regionals. I just think is we're going to need a much more radical way of doing things after this point. I just won't be the way it was before, right? And um, 
there'll be excuses saying, oh, we can't do this or we can't do that. And it's kind of like, well, people are going to have to speak up and say, well, it's unacceptable um, because who's getting bailed out? Who's get you know, we still haven't, they haven't spoken to, as it were, like, you know, your Virgin Airlines and, and all these people that have taken huge, huge subsidies off of the, off of uh, the government and, uh, and the taxpayer uh, are getting bailed out. I don't know. It, my thoughts aren't as coherent as they, they, they need to be because it is not my kind of, it's yeah. not the thing that I'm particularly well versed in, but just knowing the kind of notions of history and how things have usually panned out, there's, there is always the element of the, the, the small guy, the small guys coming last and, and who gets yeah. considered the small guy who gets considered the, the most expendable. Um, and it's, the arts certainly comes into that. So, you know, we were, I was told in the first year in drama school, you know, being an actor is a political, is a political point uh, to be on stage is political. I think we have to really, you know, in times like this, which people are acknowledging there's, there's no better or more necessary time to speak up. And so, it's going to be very, very, very difficult, intense. After this, it's, a, it's, if it's potentially rev, it's potentially creatively revolutionary. You know, that's the the thing is it could be it's got, it's negative. People people lose their lives, as you said at the very outset of this. There's no way you can gloss this and turn it into a positive. It just can't happen. Right. But we can, after the fact, when the dust has settled, try to make the best of it. I think, and and there is a potential, as with all huge social shifts and things like this for it to be a positive force for creativity if not for the money that follows that like there could be some great some great work comes out of that whether people make money is a whole other thing but there's there there will be there will be great work that comes out of this whether it gets seen and whether you know that's that's i guess the positive but absolutely and yes Definitely, definitely, definitely. I mean, I think what really needs is a shift in government. <laughs> shift in government and then it's placed back on. Needs a shift in Dominic Cummings' fucking chair yeah. is what it needs. Cummings and Hopefully by the time this goes out later this week, Dominic Cummings will be but a distant memory. He'll, he'll, have, he'll, have, he'll have, you know, decided to depart Dude. and spend the rest of his time Dude. on a castle. He'll have developed a conscience. Yeah. Yeah. And fucking hell, man. I could go. This is a whole other podcast, dude. A whole other fucking the Dominic Cummings podcast. It's a Where's thing. Dominic this week? <laughs> it's fucking a whole, hell. A whole thing. He's not sure he's got bad eyesight. Do you know what's brilliant is yesterday I realized he's Cassius. Yesterday at the press conference, he made sense to me for the first time. Like, why is right. this dude not prime minister? And then yesterday I went, it's because he's fucking useless. Like uninspiring, but he is obviously behind the scenes. He's very good at getting people to do things, to to convince his Brutus. No, no, you need you need to step forward and do this. You're the guy, right? And yesterday I was like, oh shit! I never realized he was such an unimpressive dude, as I did yesterday at the press conference. I went, that's why that guy can't do it alone. And it all of a sudden just something clicked in yesterday. I was like, he can't make that swim, you know. He's trying to swim. I couldn't make it. And Caesar, Caesar, he <laughs> you know what I mean? Boris, that is Boris carrying him across the long way. You should have, you know what I mean? You shouldn't have got in the pool in the first place. Yeah, get out of the pool, dude. Yeah, go dry yourself off. Literally, dry yourself yeah. off and uh, isolate. Um, um, so last question, kind of if you could go back to that guy who, um, let's say is coming out of Rada and uh, doesn't have an agent. 
and is about to embark on what turns out to be the longest unemployed period in his career to date and hopefully forevermore. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give that guy? Um, be yourself. Be yourself. And that's easier said than done. But being true to yourself, you know, to thine own self, be true. Um, yeah, and celebrate that in yourself. Celebrate, um, you know, we've all got things to work on in our lives, all notions of like how we can um, love ourselves better, love each other better. And I don't say that with that kind of um, glittery fairy tale dust sprinkled all over it. It's a very particular type of practice that happens and and has to be practiced throughout your life but in those early days of being young it's yeah man be true to yourself in whatever way that kind of manifests and be honest with yourself it's about an honesty an internal honesty um that's what i'd say so yeah be be true to yourself be yourself's pretty good um i'll take that uh it's actually one of the it's fairly common it's it's out of, I'd say, 40 interviews I've done, it's maybe come up three or four times, which is yeah. which is unusual because most things only come up once. It's usually so specific to the individual, like, you know, change your underpants more frequently or whatever, that that it's never, but that's that has come up more, certainly more than a few times. Um, last question. Are you in anything at the minute? Uh, n- n- no, not really. I mean, I'm doing... Um I'm just, I mean, I'm in limbo. I'm waiting. We're waiting. Um, we've had the the kind of the the blessing and the uh, privilege of within being within the Hamilton company that they're kind of holding us down until Hamilton reopens. So I'm doing Hamilton in in Los Angeles. Uh, we're meant to open on the the day of which lockdown happened. We opened. We were meant to open uh, in LA. So we're just waiting for that. So that'd be you know, 22 and I'm between now and then. I don't know. You know, they're saying that maybe. But that's great though, because you're all of a sudden free for filming, but you haven't been free for right. for two years that's since since you became since you became Jamil Mosman. <laughs> since I became who I who I really am. <laughs> didn't know until. But you know what I mean. I like don't. it's you know it's it, it, yeah things work in weird ways, man. Listen. No, uh, no. Thank you very, very much for one hour and 13 minutes of your time, which is longer than I said it would take. It's been a pleasure chatting to you, man. I could listen to you a lot more, and I'm sure other people could as well. Hey, man, just trying to find a way, man. Trying to find a way. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 